everybody. It's Still Sober with John Rabin. Episode 168, posting on Wednesday, November 15th. Last week, after the episode that I posted, uh, I was kind of, I don't know. During the week, I was kind of thinking about next week, and I knew that this episode is falling after my sobriety date, which I'll get to. But I was kind of thinking about, like, sometimes I'll, I'll, you know, ramble on an episode and then I'll think to myself, the fuck am I going to talk about next week? I have no idea. No idea what I'm going to talk about. And then it comes back around and it's time to record. And it always seems like it's the week that I wonder, what could I possibly talk about? And then just a bunch of things a bunch of things happening. Uh, so where to begin? Let me just begin with the uh, I, right before I'm starting to record. I find out that uh, that comedian Norm Macdonald passed away from uh, cancer, and that he's been battling cancer for almost a decade, and nobody knew it. And it's a, I mean, that's a huge, just like, oh, it's what, it's like that one hurts, you know? It's one of those things that, you know, I'm 48. No, I'm not. I'm 47. <laughs> I'm turning 48 next month. Um, growing up, when I was old enough to know really what Saturday Night Live was, you know, you saw, I saw clips and I, you know, I loved Chevy Chase. I thought Chevy Chase was the best and he was up until uh, 1990 and then, then he was not. But it's like, and, and by the way, in real time, you you go okay that movie sucked but it's okay you know you have bad movies next movie kind of sucks you know like early 90s next movie sucks you're like what oh you know it's just a string of uh, bad luck well it never got any better than funny farm which is sad it never they never got you know you know Luckily, you know, Harmon made him look good in uh, Community, but, like, it's just a wow. Anyway, he was, like, the the staple, the Weekend Update staple. But, but as I'm growing up and starting to watch Saturday Night Live, you know, it was Dennis Miller. And Dennis Miller was great. And he was, you know... It was a little rock and roll, you know, and uh, I thought that was really cool. And you thought, well, it, it clearly can't get better than Dennis Miller. But then, mid to late 90s, Norm MacDonald, you know, it, you just, you didn't think it could be done in a different way, in a unique, just 
offbeat way and just it was it was the crazy it was he was so good you know and at that point i didn't know he did stand up i didn't watch any of his stand up but uh it just he had you know every comedian i've ever known loves norm mcdonald he's just he's one of the best so that you know that one sucks also just side note clearly no longer you know i think he was married for a while like 20 years ago but he's you know instead of marriage he chose to uh uh to be uh to have a long-term relationship with sports gambling really so (laughs) um but clearly and, and you can really tell that he wasn't married because I don't think anybody I don't think anybody's wife would let you get away with not telling anyone that you were battling cancer for 10 years there's just no there's no way for two people to keep a secret especially you know I don't think she would she would let you but also even if he's like fine at some point she's going to tell her best friend and then her best friend's going to tell her you know her husband like it's just not that you can't keep a secret with two people it's just so i did it that's 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 what struck me about it is like okay that that is clearly can only be accomplished by someone who's not married that was my thought really that's that's where i was that's where my brain was but r.i.p man while we're talking about comedians you may have heard a story about four comedians in la ODing. three of them died one of them in icu and apparently she is responsive and will probably make it but they all four OD'd because they were doing coke and the cocaine had fentanyl in it. And this is what, like this is the new danger with drugs now, not just addiction. You just don't know what the fuck's in it. And I think if you're not going to just not do it, the solution here you know, the solution is, well just don't do drugs alright fucking squares like I don't know you, you know I for one can't tell people hey man just don't do drugs is that right heroin addict is that right <laughs> how much did you drink just do just know when to say when man the fucking hypocritical uh, just hey just look just don't just don't do it all right how hard is that well you know why don't you just uh you know have a beer and just kind of chill out they used to uh one of the things they would say in the 60s when it came to uh you know about as you know always you know always go to a dealer that you trust really really a dealer that you can trust. How many dealers have you known or currently know? 
Do you trust them? Because you shouldn't. There's no way in hell you should trust a dealer. At all. I mean, there's different kinds of dealers. That's the deal. You've got... You've got some people who deal in prescription drugs. And those people... The, the thing about uh, script dealers is they're never... They don't, they don't act like dealers. That's usually not their number one thing. It's like a side deal. That's fine. People who deal on the side tend to, you know, I'm not saying they're trustworthy, but that you tend to, those people tend to deal with either scripts or they deal in, you know, with weed. Uh, and, you know, side hustle dealers are not really dealers to me. People who are dealers have committed themselves to a lifestyle and a mentality that slowly corrupts over time. And they're like, I don't know, weed dealers seem fine. They're not. Weed dealers are a whole other breed, and those people are fuck-ups, and you shouldn't trust them. You're not going to... Now, weeds, you know, people are not going to sprinkle... They're not going to waste fentanyl sprinkling it on weed. That's not a thing. What you have to worry about is you have to worry about anything that has... Um, that has been made or is in powder form, anything like that. And there's no way, you can't go, you, there's no such thing as a, as a trusted cocaine dealer, for sure. So if you're just not, if you can't not have a little bit of cocaine at a party, you're like, eh, that's part of a party. I, I, I get it, I know a lot of people that do. Even when I was, you know, I was a heroin addict, so it never, you know, I did cocaine at a party uh, one time for a lot of it. I did a lot of it at a party one time and then found out, like, and then, you know, paid for it and found out how much it cost. What a fucking waste of money that is. Um, because that's just not, that wasn't my drug of choice. But the, but the deal is, is that my solution, the solution you've got to go with is to get fentanyl test strips. You get a test strip kit that tests powders and liquids. It's designed. There are some, the thing about it is, is that you're going to be paying something like $40, $50 for like five test strips. So drug addicts, now drug addicts aren't going to do this. I get it. Junkies, once you, but the thing is at that level, you're already at a dangerous level anyway. This is not people who are like, I want to party responsibly. Drug addicts don't party responsibly. So that's not who I'm talking to. What I'm talking about is you, if you're doing recreational drugs, you need to go ahead and in, you know, take the plunge and just spend $50 just for safety at this point. It's an investment. You already overpay for a shitty product. You might as well pay to make sure that that shitty product is the shitty product that you want and not a shitty product with a bonus that might kill you. That's the solution. That's just what I think. You ever wonder why they don't already have these in mass production? You would think 
because we've been hearing about fentanyl being a problem for a while. I've been talking about it since I've been doing this podcast. You know, over, for over three years. So you would think that at some point people would go, but the, that's the thing is that, you know, it's that old school thought of, you know, well, no, that'll just encourage people to do drugs. It's like the, uh, it's like a needle exchange program, which is also a, a good idea to help curb disease and that kind of stuff and, and infection. It's like, no, we don't want to encourage them. Like all of a sudden, you know, a junkie's going to go, well, I can't. <laughs> I've got these drugs here, but my needles are dirty. I guess I'm not getting high today. It's fucking crazy. That's fucking absurd. But uh, at least somebody's selling them, but they should be much cheaper and much more readily available. They should be as prevalent as uh, that uh, that overdose, that opiate overdo- overdose reversal spray. And then naloxone, you know that word that I I just botched, you know it. Like all of that stuff should be readily available, but uh, you know, perfect world. Hmm. Uh, I'm gonna I want to mention this just real quick because I don't know if you watched. Speaking of another comedian John Mulaney was on uh, Seth Meyers last week and kind of spoke candidly spoke about his last year and oh what a year it was Um, he revealed that he had gone to that he relapsed during the pandemic he may, uh, it may have been before, who knows. But last September, he went to rehab, all right? That was in September. He then got out. I think it was a 30-day program. He got out. You know, he and his wife split. He hosted Saturday Night Live. Then he relapsed again afterwards. Kind of fledged a little bit, and they had to have an intervention for him after which he left from the intervention to go to a 60-day rehab and then went to a sober living uh, situation from the 60-day for like another uh, 45 days or something like that, I think. And seems to be doing well. The issue is, is that because he's a celebrity... There's a lot of people up in his shit, up in his business. And one of the things about it is, is that he's now dating um, actress Olivia Munn, and they are expecting a child. So, that's a hell of a year from September to September, huh? It's a roller coaster year. Now, what's going to happen, and what's already happening, is you have AA people. You have 12-step people. 
who are going to point out the obvious. The obvious is, is that what they say in 12-step programs is you don't get in a relationship the first 12 months of sobriety. That is not a good idea. And I agree with that. It's never a good idea. I can, I can attest to a failed relationship, a nightmare relationship, getting out of rehab. I also did that. It's not good. Because it's never really, because you're not in a, emotionally in a situation to do it, it seems that. But the problem is this. Because I know that immediately like, well, this is not going to go well. You immediately get into a relationship. Now you're going to have a kid. Woo! Crash and burn. 12-steppers love to be judgy. Not all of them, but a lot of them. I like to, uh, you, you know, if you're not doing it the way they did it, it's very much, this is what happens when it's like, you know, are you sure it's not a religion? It's not a religion. But it's got similarities. And one of the similarities is people involved in it are really judgy about other people who are involved in it who are not doing it the way they do it. That's real similar. That's the way they act. And I don't know if it's a good idea or a bad idea that he's in a relationship and now they're having a kid. I don't know. I don't, you know. Part of me thinks it's actually the way he, he works, the way that he keeps himself busy because he's just constantly working. And then all of a sudden the pandemic comes. Now he's not doing anything and then he relapses. I mean, that's kind of clear cut. It's like, and oh, you want to keep your hands full? Why don't you get in a relationship and then have a kid? Now you got your hands full. You want to be creative too? Wow. But the other thing is, is that people try to judge, but they judge celebrities like they're regular people, which is what? It's a whole other world. You know, it's anytime you've got a, a celebrity doing something different in recovery or anything like that, it's immediately, you know, they're scrutinized. But it's like it's a different world. They they deal with a different day to day, you know, routine than you and I. So, you know, all you can do is just support them and hope that they, you know, that they if you if you really like them. And you've got nothing else to do. He's like, you know, because you're not friends with him. So it's not like you go, you know, I was, I was DMing him and uh, he told me, you know. Same thing with like the Demi Lovato, you know, the California sober. It's like, well, this isn't going to work. It might. That's the thing about sobriety, about recovery. It might work. What you're doing, if you're staying true to yourself, if you think it's going to work, there's no set. We're all different. As long as you're staying sober, staying clean and sober, it's, you know, it's, but it's like everything, right? You know, it's like, well, you can't, that's why the, that's why young people who are naive, you know, it's never been done this way before. Well, that's what, that's what the young are for. And so that they can blindly, you know, and accidentally figure out a new way to do something. 
You know, if it was up to old people, they would, you know, now we're going to keep with tradition. Oh, okay. So just this cyclical bullshit of failure. Got it. You can't innovate if you keep doing it the same way. So who knows? You know, best of luck to them, man. Same thing with Demi Lovato. Like, I, we haven't heard anything. She's been spotted drugging around town. No, seems to be doing all right. It's really none of our business, is it? No. Look, I know we're 20 minutes in and I'm finally getting around to saying, hi, how are you? But hi, how are you? Did you enjoy last weekend? If you're into college football or if you're into uh, the NFL, which I am. Oh, glorious return. So happy. Are you sober? Are you staying sober? I hope so. If you're not a sober person, I hope you're staying sane. I hope, uh, I hope you're finding something that you enjoy to get you through every day. Three days ago, on the 12th, it's my nine-year sobriety date. Nine. Damn. It's crazy. When I reflect back on the past year, it's, uh, it's been interesting. I'm married. Um, got my license back. Got a car. I mean, it's it's just inc- you know, slow, small incremental changes. It's weird. It's like uh, it's interesting how it works with me. For example, um, I still vape like a motherfucker, um, but. My wife, when we started dating, never asked me to quit smoking cigarettes. What she did is just ask me that after, if I smoked, could I just, you know, rinse my mouth out and wash my hands because of the smell. Just, just wash, you know, just, just wash your hands kind of a thing that was it was really the hands I don't think she actually says I think I'm I'm projecting the rinse my mouth out thing but she just said wash your hands and I went all right and being such a guy it was such a pain in the ass to wash my hands after every cigarette that and and honestly I was already I was I was already trying to quit but it took the annoyance of having to wash my hands so much to really kick into you know what I, maybe vaping isn't such a bad idea maybe it isn't for you know pussies <laughs> what a completely go 180 on a viewpoint of like I'm going to vape when I am some goddamn hipster you look stupid vape vaping looks stupid so what did i do ah you know what 
if you did it right, it doesn't look so stupid. You just have to, you know, you just don't carry around a brick. You just kind of do it. You do it like you smoke cigarettes. You don't make a big deal of it. And you don't do it, you know, you, you don't do it in people's faces. This is not hard. And I, and I firmly believe that. But it took being inconvenienced for me to change. Um, but I made the decision. And I, you know, I quit smoking cigarettes because of it. But that's kind of been my whole thing. It's just like, you know, slow, small changes. I start dating my wife at the beginning. She comes over and sees that I've got like a California twin bed, which is a long bed because I'm a tall fuck. But it's a twin. She's like, well, that's interesting. And I went, shit, that is interesting. I guess we're staying at your place. <laughs> well, I got rid of that and got a bigger bed. It's all little things, you know, that it, it takes being with somebody or having somebody around you to notice, to maybe kind of point out. And then, because once you're in it, you're not really paying attention. Then you're like, oh, that is kind of odd. Maybe I should change something in here, you know? Having somebody with allergies come by your apartment, they're like, hey, there's a lot of cat dander in here. And you're like, oh, maybe I should sweep and swiffer the floor more. I just didn't notice. I wasn't, you know, I swept occasionally, but, uh, you know, it's just not that big of a deal. Well, it is a big deal, but you need somebody else to come in and kind of go, hey, it's kind of a big deal. But those little changes is actually, that's just been the theme for my past nine years. It's just little changes. It's little by little. I didn't completely change. I hated talking to people just four years ago out in public. Ugh. Try to come up with unconventional questions because I hated small talk. Like, like I've avoided small talk. Actually, this four, boy, time flies. Not four years ago. We're talking like six years ago, actually. Um, but like slowly, you know, the social anxiety st 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 stuck with me for a long time. And it, I would say that, you know, for a full year, I didn't have a problem with social anxiety until the, uh, you know, pandemic hit. And then that kind of went, no, nah, we're going to go back to having a little bit of social anxiety, but for a completely different reason. Okay. And we've, we were all been affected with that, but it's so slow, just slow incremental changes. I didn't, uh, you know, it's, it's not like I, I you know, I'm going to work on myself in one specific area. I just kept, you know, going and avoiding you know truly self destructive behavior which because of recovery and because of like rehab and, and um, therapy you know you're able to kind of really be in tune with yourself to really know oh, okay this is yeah this, uh, this right here is, is a self destructive behavior oh yeah this is not good I may be doing that too much or that's not healthy. Maybe stop that. But it's been, it's been interesting. I've, you know, 
some of my friends have kind of commented, you've had a pretty good uh, pandemic. Yeah. Emotionally, yes. So, it's it's been interesting, man. It's... Uh, that's... I think that's all I really wanted. No, you know what? The one last thing. I Because I... As most of you know, I, I'm not a, a 12-stepper. I've had a lot of experience, a lot of, a lot of tries, a lot of, a lot of swings and a misses in the, in the, in the, uh, in that. Um, but, uh, you know, I meet my mom on her birthday because it was uh, September 12th, 2012, that I made my official sobriety date. So that it would be something that my mom and I could share on our birthday every year about being sober. Because I, I had technically quit before that. Uh, I quit drinking finally. But I, I don't know the uh, exact date that I quit. It's a few weeks before. But I, I wasn't really sure. But because my mom was giving me a ride from where I was staying in San Antonio back to Austin to turn myself in for an undisclosed for an unknown amount of time that I was going to be locked up in jail I didn't realize it was going to be six months but it turned out it was going to be six months um, but she had to do that on her birthday which kind of sucks doesn't kind of sucks it really sucks but in a way it was actually a good birthday because we had a, a great you know our first long conversation that we had had in a long time but that's why I made that my sobriety date so that we could celebrate every and then she buys me a chip every year that she presents to me on her, on, on her birthday as you know and so it's it's more of a and the thing about it is is that I don't think of clean time I don't that's not my mentality I don't align with the 12 step on that. I don't disagree with it. I just, uh, it's not a motivator for me. The amount of clean time is not a motivator. Like I'm trying to reach a certain level. It's more of a reminder. I use it to reflect on my sobriety date is a, is a, is a day to reflect for me. When you really think about it. A day to really kind of review the past year, what have been, you know, what's what's changed, how have I changed? Um, because for me, it's not a, the amount of clean time you have; it's it's uh, your state of mind, it's your motivation, it's where you're at. I'm like, this is who I am now, and. So, so yeah, that's, that's what I did. And that's, uh, that's about all I could say about it. It's, uh, it's crazy. Incremental changes, man. Hey, I appreciate it. Appreciate you guys sticking with me. Uh, any questions, any comments um, that are positive or neutral? I'll take neutral comments as well. Uh, you can email me at stillsoberpod at gmail.com. So, 
Uh, we will see you next week. This is Still Sober with John Raven. Thank you, guys. Later. Later.